selections from the dolorous passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, from the visions of Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich. Continuing Chapter 1, Jesus in the Garden of Olives. The soul of Jesus beheld all the future sufferings of his apostles, disciples, and friends, after which he saw the primitive church, numbering but few souls in her fold at first, and then, in proportion as her numbers increased, disturbed by heresies and schisms breaking out among her children, who repeated the sin of Adam by pride and disobedience. He saw the tepidity, malice, and corruption of an infinite number of Christians, the lies and deceptions of proud teachers, all the sacrileges of wicked priests, the fatal consequences of each sin, and the abomination of desolation in the kingdom of God, in the sanctuary of those ungrateful human beings whom he was about to redeem with his blood at the cost of unspeakable sufferings. The scandals of all ages down to the present day and even to the end of the world, every species of error, deception, mad fanaticism, obstinacy and malice were displayed before his eyes and he beheld, as it were floating before him, all the apostates, heresiarchs, and pretended reformers who deceive men by an appearance of sanctity. The corruptors and the corrupted of all ages outraged and tormented him for not having been crucified after their fashion, or for not having suffered precisely as they settled or imagined he should have done. They vied with each other in tearing the seamless robe of his church. Many ill-treated, insulted, and denied him, and many turned contemptuously away, shaking their heads at him, avoiding his compassionate embrace and hurrying on to the abyss where they were finally swallowed up. He saw countless numbers of other men who did not dare openly to deny him, but who passed on in disgust at the sight of the wounds of his church, as the Levite passed by the poor man who had fallen among robbers. Like unto cowardly and faithless children, who desert their mother in the middle of the night at the sight of the thieves and robbers, to whom their negligence or their malice has opened the door, they fled from his wounded spouse. He beheld all these men, sometimes separated from the true vine and taking their rest amid the wild fruit trees, sometimes like lost sheep, left to the mercy of the wolves, led by base hirelings into bad pastures and refusing to enter the fold of the good shepherd who gave his life for his sheep. They were wandering homeless in the desert, in the midst of the sand blown about by the wind, and were obstinately determined not to see his city placed upon a hill, which could not be hidden, the house of his spouse, his church built upon a rock, and with which he had promised to remain to the end of ages. They built upon the sand wretched tenements, which they were continually pulling down and rebuilding, but in which there was neither altar nor sacrifice. They had weathercocks on their roofs, and their doctrines changed with the wind. Consequently, they were forever in opposition one with the other. They never could come to a mutual understanding, and were forever unsettled, often destroying their own dwellings, and hurling the fragments against the cornerstone of the church, 
which always remained unshaken. As there was nothing but darkness in the dwellings of these men, many among them, instead of directing their steps towards the candle placed on the candlestick in the house of the spouse of Christ, wandered with closed eyes around the gardens of the church, sustaining life only by inhaling the sweet odors which were diffused from them far and near, stretching forth their hands toward shadowy idols and following wandering stars which led them to wells where there was no water. Even when on the very brink of the precipice they refused to listen to the voice of the spouse calling them, and though dying with hunger, derided, insulted, and mocked at those servants and messengers who were sent to invite them to the nuptial feast. They obstinately refused to enter the garden, because they feared the thorns of the hedge, although they had neither wheat with which to satisfy their hunger, nor wine to quench their thirst, but were simply intoxicated with pride and self-esteem, and being blinded by their own false lights, persisted in asserting that the church of the Word made flesh was invisible. Jesus beheld them all. He wept over them, and was pleased to suffer for all those who do not see him, and who will not carry their crosses after him in his city built upon a hill, his church founded upon a rock, to which he has given himself in the Holy Eucharist, and against which the gates of hell will never prevail. Bearing a prominent place in these mournful visions which were beheld by the soul of Jesus, I saw Satan, who dragged away and strangled a multitude of men, redeemed by the blood of Christ and sanctified by the unction of his sacrament. Our divine Savior beheld with bitterest anguish the ingratitude and corruption of the Christians of the first and of all succeeding ages, even to the end of the world. And during the whole of this time, the voice of the tempter was incessantly repeating, Canst thou resolve to suffer for such ungrateful reprobates? while the various apparitions succeeded each other with intense rapidity and so violently weighed down and crushed the soul of Jesus that his sacred humanity was overwhelmed with unspeakable anguish. Jesus, the anointed of the Lord, the Son of Man, struggled and writhed as he fell on his knees with clasped hands as it were annihilated beneath the weight of his suffering. So violent was the struggle which then took place between his human will and his repugnance to suffer so much for such an ungrateful race, that from every pore of his sacred body there burst forth large drops of blood which fell trickling onto the ground. In his bitter agony he looked around, as though seeking help, and appeared to take heaven, earth, and the stars of the firmament to witness of his sufferings. Jesus, in his anguish of spirit, raised his voice and gave utterance to several cries of pain. The three apostles awoke, listened, and were desirous of approaching him. But Peter detained James and John, saying, Stay you here. I will join him. Then I saw Peter hastily run forward and enter the grotto. Pastor, what has befallen thee? 
But at the sight of Jesus, thus bathed in his own blood, and sinking to the ground beneath the weight of mortal fear and anguish, he drew back and paused for a moment, overcome with terror. Jesus made no answer and appeared unconscious of his presence. Peter returned to the other two and told them that the Lord had not answered him except by groans and sighs. They became more and more sorrowful after this, covered their heads, and sat down to weep and pray. I then returned to my heavenly spouse in his most bitter agony. The frightful visions of the future ingratitude of the men whose debt to divine justice he was taking upon himself continued to become more and more vivid and tremendous. Several times I heard him exclaim, Oh, my father, can I possibly suffer for so ungrateful a race? Oh, my father, if this chalice may not pass from me, but I must drink it, thy will be done. Amid all these apparitions, Satan held a conspicuous place under various forms which represented different species of sins. None of these frightful apparitions entirely resembled any creature, but were symbols of abomination, discord, contradiction, and sin. In a word, were demoniacal to the fullest extent. These diabolical figures urged on, dragged and tore to pieces before the very eyes of Jesus countless numbers of those men for whom redemption he was entering upon the painful way of the cross. At first, I but seldom saw the serpent. Soon, however, it made its appearance with a crown upon its head. This odious reptile was of gigantic size, apparently possessed of unbounded strength, and led forward countless legions of the enemies of Jesus in every age and of every nation. Being armed with all kinds of destructive weapons, they sometimes tore one another in pieces and then renewed their attacks upon our Savior with redoubled rage. It was indeed an awful sight, for they heaped upon him the most fearful outrages, cursing, striking, wounding, and tearing him to pieces. Their weapons, swords, and spears flew about in the air, crossing and recrossing continually in all directions, like the flails of threshers in an immense barn. And the rage of each of these fiends seemed exclusively directed against Jesus. That grain of heavenly wheat descended to the earth to die there in order to feed men eternally with the bread of life. Thus exposed to the fury of these hellish bands, some of which appeared to me wholly composed of blind men, Jesus was as much wounded and bruised as if their blows had been real. I saw him stagger from side to side, sometimes raising himself up and sometimes falling again, while the serpent, in the midst of the crowds whom it was unceasingly leading forward against Jesus, struck the ground with its tail and tore to pieces or swallowed all whom it thus knocked to the ground. It was made known to me that these apparitions were all those persons who, in diverse ways, insult and outrage Jesus, really and truly present in the Holy Sacrament. I recognized among them 
all those who in any way profane the Blessed Eucharist. This has been taken from The Dolorous Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ from the Visions of Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich published by Tan Books. For more information, call 1-800-437-5876 or find them on the web at www.tanbooks.com. This work is in the public domain. This has been Christian Classics with Teresa Hofer. Listen every Monday through Friday at this time as Teresa continues her great readings and selections from classic Christian literature right here on the Ave Maria Radio Network. News and talk for Catholic and other Christians.